This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And thanks for that intro, Mr. Len Rollins, who we've been listening to, broadcasting some LSU sports. You can catch him on uh, SEC Plus Network and many others. Well, welcome aboard. Here we are, last days of February, finally winding down. And I tell you, it's been surprising this week. Did get some pretty good fishing reports for February, which is usually not a very good month. But both freshwater and saltwater. And we'll continue to give you some of those reports a little bit later on today. Now, Today we've got kind of a, a special show, and we're going to be joined by some experts, waterfowl experts, Paul Jakobsack, Dave Rave, and uh, Captain Eric Rue. Uh, we've been holding back a little bit, uh, waiting until the duck season cleared and all the duck hunters could be tuned in, and hopefully you will be. And if you're not, well, you can uh, catch this on our replays at odyssey.com. Uh, that will be available on Monday. But we're going to explore what I've been calling a duck crisis here in Louisiana and many other states in the Central Flyway. And we're going to do some exploration and some honest uh, opinions being shared about what is wrong with the waterfowl situation uh, here in the Central Flyway and many states and what some of the causes are. And and more importantly, what can we do to turn that around? Uh, Duck hunting is a wonderful sport. Unfortunately, it's uh, been on the decline for many years now and continues to go that way and it's not just the empirical evidence from hunters going out and telling you what they see and i polled a lot of hunters before doing this show and uh to a man they've all said that things have gotten progressively worse uh, there's also some uh, scientific evidence out there and uh, then there are some politics involved so we'll talk about all of that and hope you'll stay with us we'll be doing that from 5:30 to 6:30 we're also going to have some fishing information we're not going to forget about you fishermen we'll have our regular fishing reports maybe at a little bit different times also want to alert you to this news that came out earlier in the Calcasieu river this week a manatee a dead manatee was discovered uh, a lot of people didn't believe manatees actually came as far as Louisiana. Uh, they have seemed to be showing up further and further west in their migration uh, from Florida. Uh, they've been spotted in Lake Bourne, Lake Catherine, pretty regular, the Amy River near Lake Maurepas. I have seen a couple of them personally, and there was one that showed up at the Mandeville Harbor pretty regularly several years ago. We don't know what caused the death of this one, but... Uh, That's pretty far west when they go all the way to uh, the Lake Charles area by the Calcasieu River. So manatees on the move, and uh, I think we'll be seeing more and more warnings about looking out for them. Speaking about looking out, well, here's the weather if you are headed out today. Offshore, northeast winds 15 to 20, 3 to 6-foot seas. I'm going to say it's going to be fishable, but it's going to be sloppy if you're headed out there. Tomorrow going to be a better day. Winds will lay down east for 5 to 10 uh, sees a little bit better than that three foot, maybe three to fours. On the interior today, drastic difference. Northeast wind five to ten and some smooth conditions. 
Uh, and then tomorrow it's going to kick up a little bit ahead of that frontal system that's coming in tomorrow evening. North winds 10 to 15, light chop. So your best day is today. Average tide range, rocking and rolling, 1.2-foot range. Mississippi River's at 7.4 and uh, looking like it's going to start to fall just a little bit, and that's good news too. All right, don't forget to text us your messages in uh, all during the program. We'll keep our text line open, 504-260-1870. And I see we're already hearing from some of the truckers. <laughs> the river rats out there, he's got the big rig. He's hauling it. Uh, we got a Mr. Jefferson uh, who is uh, driving his big rig, and he's going to be competing in the Louisiana State Truck Driver Championship next week. Didn't know they had such thing. Thanks for the wet from the worm. Also, the mad trucker checking in, too. You guys be careful out there on the roadways this morning. All right, we'll be back and get to some more of those texts. But Robbie Campo is going to join us and give us a fishing report from the St. Bernard area. He's at Shell Beach. And as far as I know, we have no closures on the Paris Road Green Bridge. It's wide open. Back with his information to help you find the fish and catch them on the outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And let's head on down to Shell Beach and say good morning to Robbie Campo at Campos Marina. Robbie, looks like we got a lot of folks in the... South Louisiana, Mobile, Alabama area going to be uh, embarking on a four-day weekend. So tell us what the fishing's been like this week and what the prospects are. Well, I tell you, Don, uh, this past week was phenomenal, man. We had a lot of trout caught, uh, a lot of people, you know, that, that got out to go fishing. I mean, we had limits caught right here in the lake by the by the old fort. But, of course, we had a south southeast wind blowing. That's not going to happen today because the wind is out of the northeast. Um, but the water, I'm looking at the water in the bayou here. It's still pretty clean. Um, I would let the sun come up, you know, and, and, you know, head on down. And, you know, these water temperatures did warm up. I don't think it was enough to bring the water temperature back down where these trout won't bite. I still think you could catch some fish in the ship channel here. Um, I think the lake's going to be a little bit blown up because it was blowing, you know, 10 to 15 yesterday, uh, gusting over to 20 um, all day yesterday. Out of the north, uh, and it went from north, northwest to north to northeast. Uh, I still think you could put something together today up in the Mr. Go right here, um, between here and going towards Violet, or maybe here going towards, um, you know, the dam down there. Uh, I hope they'll, I think you could still catch some fish here today. 
maybe on the eastern shoreline of Lake Bourne by St. Malo because the wind has more east in it than north in it. So uh, I still think if you today's your day to fish, you could put some, you could put a, a box of fish together. I, you know, I, I'm pretty confident of that. Um, you know, uh, we had some live shrimp earlier in the week that seemed to do the ticket. But it wasn't all they caught them on. They caught them on the old sparkle beetle with the old split tail sparkle beetle with the red dot. You know the one I'm talking about, the little clear one with the glitter in it. That bait worked very well. Uh, the Matrix Shads uh, was a hot bait this week. Um, the Shrimp Creole plus the lemon head. Um, Matrix Shads was, you know, was good baits this week. You know, Don, so if you don't have live bait, and we don't have any live bait for today, but if you don't have live bait, don't let that stop you from going fishing. Um, we still have our dead frozen ones that we have here and our two-pound packs available. So, um, you know, so you'll have something if you want to tip your hook with that or go try to catch sheephead along the rocks or the Mr. Go. I mean, you have options. Just, you know, let, I'd let the sun come up a little bit, let it warm up a little bit, and head on down and hook the left at the bridge and come on down and see us. Sounds like a good plan. Robbie, you mentioned the Mr. Go looks like a spot to certainly not pass up. Give that a shot. Did you get any reports from the interior of the marsh on those trout that were showing up? Maybe like Stump and Peach Lagoon with that uh, east in that wind, we should be able to have good sufficient water where you can get up in there, maybe be a little cleaner than trying to fish the lake. Well, you know, Don, over on the um, – I, no, I didn't have anybody go fish up in the Bluffy Marsh this week, but I tell you what – I. I know for a fact over on the uh, on the south side, over in, from uh, Lake Lake Amity, Lake Amita, um, you know Hopedale Lagoon area, Lake Robin, um, going going down to all the way down to Lake John, um, Grand Lagoon, uh, 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 not Grand Lagoon, um, Spanish Lake, caught plenty of fish over there on that side. Um, I don't see why you could not pick up some fish over in that Stump Lagoon area today. Uh, I mean, just never had nobody going that far because the fish were right here, and they caught all they wanted right here. So, um, But, yeah, I would think over in that Stump Lagoon area, Pete's Lagoon, cut off somewhere back there, you know, you, you should be able to catch some good trout back there. Well, I'm with you, though. Uh, don't run past fish to find fish. If you stop in the mist to go and you find them, go no further. Robbie, tell me about Mardi Gras Day down at Campos. How uh, many people show up on Mardi Gras Day? Is it kind of like a weekend? Do we have a lot of people fish, or are they all at parades? Well, you know, Don, you got the people who love Mardi Gras, and you got people who hate Mardi Gras. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, some people... Some people wouldn't mind if it never had Mardi Gras, but some people just love it, you know. Um, but uh, but we we usually get a we usually get a uh, you know uh, you know thirty forty boats out on that day. Um, people just don't want to be out. We're going to be open. We're going to be here. So if you uh, if you plan on fishing Mardi Gras day, you know we're going to be here. So uh, I'm one of the guys that don't really care for Mardi Gras. I mean, you know. It's, not my thing. Uh, I'd rather be out on the water. So, but instead, if I can't, I'll just be right here on the edge of the bayou where I could wait on somebody. So, if that's your day, to, if you want to do that Mardi Gras day, come on down. Well, a lot of people are happy to get the day off and get an extra day of fishing in. Robbie, thanks for the report. A happy Mardi Gras to you guys down there, and we'll catch up with you next time. 
You too, Don. Talk to you later. Talk to you next week, buddy. Bye-bye. Yes, sir. Robbie Campo down at Campo's Marina. All right, coming back after this, we're going to check in with Daryl Carpenter, get an update on Grand Isle. Should be reopening pretty soon down there. I know Elmer's Island's back open again. they got some infrastructure being worked on. A lot of work going on, but uh, we'll see if there's any fish to be caught down in that area, too. Coming up next, right here on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Well, it's no secret the towns of uh, Grand Isle and also Golden Meadow, uh, Leeville, and Port Fouchon all took a beating during Hurricane Ida. And rebuilding has been going on ever since. And the guy who describes it as uh, eating an elephant one bite at a time is Captain Darrell Carpenter. He's been up to his neck in it. Darrell, have you had enough elephant? Is there much left to eat on that elephant? (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely time to switch menus a little bit, Don. And I think everybody's kind of slowly doing that, you know, from, you know, the clean, the majority of the cleanup phase, if you will, finished several weeks ago. And, you know, had a little bit of time to step away from my stuff and do some riding around and, you know, some go do the, the much-needed shopping and stuff. And uh, I, I'm impressed at the amount of building I see and, and the speed at which some of it is going going along. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff starting to come back together. We're just – it's going to be a long, slow process. But a lot of things are starting to move forward, and, and you're, you're starting to see the brand-new roofs. You're starting to see the new plywood going up and everything else. So it's moving along a little bit at a time. Daryl, for someone that has not been there, I mean, Hurricane Ida basically shut it down for the summer, fall, and winter. Someone that has not been down there post-Hurricane Ida, how is Grand Isle going to look different to them as they drive down Highway 1? Well, you know, Don, I, I described it when when I was down here working with the FEMA stuff and was here every day to where it was just right in your face. I described it as, look, it's not as bad as, as what you're hearing on the news media. You know, it's it's not all that bad then i left for christmas i took about 10 days and got out of here for christmas and after that 10 days and i came back it was like oh god (laughs) you know this is a whole lot worse than what i thought um and look it's remarkable just from the from the difference in the storm surge so as you approach grand isle the chenier you know, the the area between Elmer's Island and Grand Isle, which is known as the Shadir, I would probably say 90% of the structures and homes are gone. I mean, it, it looks – that area got hit by a massive storm surge, uh, just the way the water came in the past, and it took the majority of the structures. 
And then when you start, you know, from the bridge on Grand Isle, probably for the first mile, it's a lot of the same. There's a whole lot of vacant lots. But then once you get just that little bit of, of distance, once you get past that, it turns into tip of what you would typically see for a normal hurricane. It turns into sporadic damage. You know, you've got a house here missing a roof. You've got, you know, uh, SUVs and, and stuff washed up underneath against houses in some places. But the majority of it sustained just minor damage. So it's going to be culture shock. Uh, the biggest thing that we're worried about here in Grand Isle, that I, I think I share a lot of people, is we've seen a lot of private construction coming back. We haven't seen, you know, of course, we're dealing with government red tape. We haven't seen the construction to start shoring up that levee that we lost on the beach. We haven't seen the construction to, you know, to start shoring up the, the terra firma, the island itself. And I just hope that, you know, we follow a trend that after Katrina, we went several years without any major storms. We had a chance to rebuild things. Uh, at the speed things are moving along, I sure hope we go a few years without another major storm because we are very exposed right now. Got it. Daryl, uh, how's the fishing been down there? Have you, have you gotten a chance to go out? Or are you getting any reports from folks? I mean, you know, these storms come and go, and it damages human infrastructure, but the fish always come back. Right. Well, we had this week, the, I didn't get on the water myself this week, but I know a few people that did it. With that, with that hard south wind that we had most of the week, we had a whole lot of water come in. The water's been up, been nice, but we've also been on that hard tide range. And the reports I've gotten is they're having problems finding clean water. The, you know, a lot of the spots they went in there, of course, hear what I say. We're at a disadvantage, and I've said this since day one when Ida came through. Everybody's on that naked slate. We're gonna, there's a, we're gonna have to spend a whole lot of time on the water and relearn our marshes because a lot of it changed. But the reports I got were they struggled a little bit, some really good redfish, but they were having problems finding clean water. Between that hard south wind that we had and that those big tide ranges, it kept things stirred up this past week. Now we got this front that came through yesterday. Hopefully, you know it'll be. I mean, hopefully come Mardi Gras, come Tuesday or so. You know, we're we're getting a whole lot better conditions, and we'll have a whole lot better reports because I think you're going to start seeing a few more boats on the water. Judging from the traffic I've seen and from people getting ready, it, it looks like people are getting ready to start hitting the water a whole lot more. That's some really good news. Daryl, can't wait till we start talking to you before you get ready to take your customers out and do those trips every Saturday morning. Uh, so if somebody does want to be one of those first people to get on a realscreamers.com trip, tell them how to get a hold of you. Well, they can find me on your website, uh, realscreamers.com, or just pick up the phone, 225-937-6288. And I will say the phone has started to ring, so that's a that's a bright spot. Uh, I'll reinstate anybody thinking they're coming to Grand Isle. If you've got a time frame, you might, you might want to start booking your overnight stays, your, your reservations now, because I think that's where we're going to hurt going into early summer. We're going to have limited hotel motel beds. I agree with you. Daryl, next time we get together, give me some of those uh, elephant recipes. I know you got a ton. <laughs> all right, Don. I'm going to turn into a vegetation after eating all this stuff. <laughs> a, <laughs> a vegetation? Vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, vegetarian. All right. All right. Keep up the great positive attitude. Thanks, Daryl. We always appreciate you coming on. Thanks again. Bye-bye. 
All right, that's Daryl Carpenter, realscreamers.com. All right, right after this break, uh, we're going to begin a special feature this morning called Ducks in Crisis. Uh, a lot of you have been uh, letting me know. You text, you call. Uh, when I see you out there on the boat and the, on the waterways and the boat launches, everybody's complaining, where are the ducks? Why do we not have the ducks? Uh, we get the weather, but we don't have ducks. We're going to explore that with some waterfowl experts for the next hour. We'll be right back to kick off Louisiana Ducks in Crisis right here on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. I want to thank all of you sending your text messages into us. They come live into the studio at 504-260-1870. A lot of comments on the ducks in crisis issue, and we'll get to some of those if we can. I want to start this conversation off by sharing with you a, a, a beginning of an article that appeared in a, a publication that came out in 1969 by someone I admired. who was a role model of mine, McFadden Duffy, who worked for the Department of Wildlife and Fisheries. He was also a freelance writer, and he published a book called Hunting and Fishing, Louisiana. And this is what he said. Although Louisiana abounds in game and game fish, it attracts most national interest as the wintering ground for vast numbers of migratory waterfowl and migratory birds. The ducks and geese wintering in Louisiana during open season provide Louisiana waterfowlers with the finest of shooting and the most varied bag obtainable today. The mere name Louisiana makes waterfowlers across the nation sigh with envy. Mallard shooting in the rice fields of southwest Louisiana is an experience seldom forgotten. These big ducks congregate there in numbers that equal those in the pine flats of Arkansas. The shooting is good and the ducks are grain fat. 1969 is when that appeared. I was 18 years old, just getting into duck hunting, very enthusiastic about it. Here we are now, 53 years later, and duck hunters are looking at each other, asking the question, where are the ducks, where are we now, and maybe more importantly, what's ahead for the next generation? We've got a panel of some waterfowl experts who are going to be joining us, and we're going to be discussing uh, some of the evidence that indicates that waterfowl populations are indeed down and that trend is continuing, what are the factors that contributed to that, and most importantly, what are the possible solutions to reversing those trends? We'll be back to introduce them right after we pause 10 seconds for our local stations to identify themselves along the outdoors with Don Dubuque, Radio Network. And introducing our three-man panel, first we have Paul Jakobsack, a wildlife consultant. Paul, good morning. Thanks for your participation this morning. If you would just kind of give us a little background on your, your performance over the years as a waterfowl biologist and consultant. Well, good morning, Don. Uh, I've uh, attained a, a BS in uh, wildlife from uh, UL Lafayette and a master's in uh, fisheries from LSU in uh, 1976. And I worked for U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for over 35 years. I was a manager at a assistant manager at Lacassine Refuge and also manager at Cameron Prairie Refuge and Mandalay and Bayou Tech uh, refuges in uh, near Homa. Uh, I've, I've been a duck hunter since I was eight years old. I'm 71 years old right now, and I'm as distressed as anyone about the current duck situation. Thank you, Paul. We also have with us a retired waterfowl biologist, Dave Rave. He's also a wildlife manager with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources. Dave, if you would tell us, if you can, maybe the Cliff's Notes. I know you've got a long resume, but tell us your involvement with waterfowl over the years. Well, thanks, Don. I really appreciate uh, the opportunity to come on your show. Uh, well, I got a, uh, like Paul, I got a bachelor's degree out of uh, Michigan State University. 
Uh, I then uh, went up to uh, Delta Waterfowl um, Research Station and uh, did a Webster Fellowship on them with them, and they, they paid for my uh, master's degree. I did a master's degree at Auburn University. But my study took me to uh, Rockefeller Refuge in southwest Louisiana, where I, I learned about uh, the Louisiana marshes and uh, how beautiful Louisiana is. I then worked for the Fish and Wildlife Service for a couple of years in Louisiana, out of Baton Rouge, uh, before moving north um, to with my wife, uh, who did a Ph.D. over in uh, Grand Forks, and ended up in uh, with the Minnesota Department of Natural Resources and worked for them as a waterfowl uh, research biologist and then ended my career as a, as a wildlife manager. And would you consider yourself a very avid duck hunter? I would consider myself an avid duck hunter. I started hunting ducks a little later than Paul. I started when I was about 20, but uh, I, I continued and I still hunt ducks today. Very good. We also have with us Captain Eric Grew, who has been an operator of hunting fishing charter service called Calcasieu Charters since 1986. Eric, tell us about your experience with duck hunting in Louisiana. Hey, Don. Good morning. Thank you for inviting me in the panel here. Uh, yeah, as uh, you said, I've been uh, running the hunting and fishing guide operations since 1986. I graduated from McNeese with a degree in microbiology, which is you know, a prerequisite to becoming a fishing or hunting guide. But uh, I've decided I love the outdoors more needed to do that. You know, I've spent a, a good part of my life out there on the on the water and in the field and, uh, you know, always been a, a avid hunter and uh, conservationist as well, despite, you know, having a living where uh, I put things down as a, as a daily job. So um, I'm, I'm really concerned about the duck situation as we have it today. It's a, it's a vast difference from from years back, and I believe there's a lot of reasons for it. Yes, there are, and we're going to explore some of those reasons. We're going to take a quick break. We come back. I'll let you guys take over and tell us, what about the evidence? Is this just a figment of people's imagination, or are they just not really in tune to what the actual waterfowl population is? Uh, how is the science? Uh, are fish and, and wildlife agencies, both on federal and state levels, are they doing the job? Are they having accurate counts? Are they portraying what hunters are really seeing out there? And then we'll get into some of the causes for that and hopefully some solutions. We're calling it Ducks in Crisis, and you're listening to it on the Outdoors with Don Dubuque Radio Network. And if you're just getting up and getting tuned in, uh, we're calling this program Louisiana Ducks in Crisis, and actually it could apply to other states in the Central Flyway. We've invited retired wildlife uh, consultant Paul Jakobsack, a fish and wildlife uh, biologist, is joining us, as is Dave K, or Dave Rave, a retired waterfowl biologist, Captain Eric Rue of Calcasieu Charter Service. Guys, uh, you know, a lot of people are, have been complaining. I've been polling hunters, and I hear it time and time again. They're just not the ducks that they used to be. Uh, they're not buying that it's weather-related, which a lot of the argument is that we just don't have the winners that we used to have. And I think the, the uh, December of 2021 duck estimate that the, the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries did kind of summed it up. It said the, the duck estimate for Louisiana and Catahoula Lake is 1.4 million the lowest December estimate on record. And this has been a trend that we've seen time and time again over the years. Uh, what is the evidence that you guys see out there that actually uh, makes it definitive, that there's no mistake about it, either it's an altered migration or the numbers are maybe overestimated and the ducks that our agencies say are there are not really there. They're not anywhere. Well, this is Paul Yakovzak, Don. There, it's, it's a... Uh... 
a, a multifaceted problem with a lot of different reasons. But uh, one of the big things that that's going on right now is for because of COVID, there's been no May waterfowl population surveys in the northern United States and uh, Canada. So we really don't know what the duck population is. Uh, we don't know if it's overestimated, underestimated, or whatnot. But the surveys that the Department of Wildlife and Fishery done have proven that there's less ducks than there have been in, in their recorded history. And uh, that the reasons for this are ducks are dependent on reproduction. The reproduction was severely impacted last year, especially because of a 30-year drought on the prairies. And before that, the, the development of ethanol gasoline has caused a, a tremendous increase in, in the destruction of prairie wetlands needed for ducks to reproduce. Yeah, Don, this hey. is uh, Dave, Dave Rave, and uh, I, I would second what, uh, what Paul says, except uh, um, and I, I do have a few numbers here that uh, I can give you. Um, Especially talking about habitats throughout the prairie pothole region. Uh, looking at a, I looked at at some DU reports and uh, some Fish and Wildlife Service reports, and uh, you know, since the 1950s, we've lost uh, huge amounts of uh, of grassland and wetlands. Um, so, like in Prairie Pothole region of Canada, the cropland base has increased by 30 percent in just the last 25 years. You know that's a, that means 25% less grass in Prairie Pothole Canada. Um, in the United States, you know, in the in the 1850s we had 16.6 million acres of wetlands. Uh, in the 1980s we had six million acres. So pothole and and agriculture is continuing to to destroy habitats uh, that are really necessary for for wildlife and especially for waterfowl. Uh, Eric, Captain Eric, can you give us your input on, you know, whether these numbers that we're seeing are accurate, inaccurate? What are, do you keep pretty meticulous records as far as your operation going back all the way several decades? Yeah, I, I have, Don, and uh, appreciate this. Uh, you know, I agree with with uh, these guys about what they're saying regarding the, the habitat situations and, and what has gone on with agriculture. I think this is really a multifaceted problem. Um, you know, as a guy sitting in the duck blind, you don't really care about that. You just want to know where's the ducks. It's a it's a basic problem on one end, but uh, very very multifaceted on the other. Just to just to give you an idea of of my perspective is that you know the the duck crash started. I'm going to say 20 years ago. You know, a little over 20 years ago in the in the 98 to 2002 year range, and in that time period, the uh, I'm sorry. In in that time period, is one of the high high levels of duck counts. You know, in in uh, '98, '99, they used to have a thing called the fall flight index. It was in the 80 to 100 million ducks total numbers of birds coming down. And at the same time, those winters in Canada and the U.S. and in, in the '97 to '99 period were some of the warmest on record. So it's not about the weather. I don't. I don't believe that. It, it's about the reduction of birds overall. And I think in that four-year span that I was speaking of, the '98 to 2002, you know, that's the the 
largest drop from a visual perspective that I've witnessed, and, and I don't think it's ever really recovered. Now, you had great conditions on the prairies that were very wet, production was up, all those things. So uh, you're going to have some decline from there, but uh, I think the, the thing that sticks out there, and I'm just going to throw it, is, is, a, is a big thing for the start of the decline. I'm not saying that's what it is now, is the mechanical decoy issue. That was a big thing to me. And uh, I think it stays today as a harvest tool that is unaccounted for. Uh, we're going to take a, a break here, and we'll come back and continue our discussion about the ducks in crisis. But I do want to leave you with this. This is a, a writer friend of mine, John Flores, and I, I think he kind of put it in, in very simple terms, maybe oversimplifying a very complicated issue. But he said, coastal wetland loss, changes in agricultural practices up and down the flyway, loss of CRP habitat on the northern prairies, draining of wetlands, climate change, and hunting pressure, some of the things that have taken their toll. So much so, Louisiana hunters are happy to shoot ringnecks, teal, shovelers, and dogree. And uh, maybe true words there. We'll be right back and continue our conversation with Paul Jakobsack, Dave Rave, and Captain Eric Rue. If you'd like to shoot us a text message with your opinion, we're getting lots of them. It's 504-260-187. All right, we're talking about ducks in crisis with wildlife, a retired wildlife consultant, fish and wildlife, uh, Paul Jakobzak, also retired waterfowl biologist, uh, Dave Rave, and Captain Eric Rue of Calcasieu Charter Service about uh, the situation with the waterfowl in the Central Flyway and more focused on Louisiana. Guys, I think everyone agrees that habitat degradation is a serious problem. Uh, it's causing part of the problem uh, both on the northern nesting grounds and down here with coastal land loss. But also other things, there's other factors involved, and uh, changes in, in hunting pressure. And I don't know if this is being reflected in, in the seasons that are being set and the limits are being set, but if you could maybe mention some of the changes that have come about over the many years that all of us have been hunting that maybe are not being compensated for. Don, this is Paul Yakubzak. Uh, I think that's quite a few changes. Eric mentioned the spinning wing decoys. Uh, I'll mention that we have much better uh, equipment now. We have the surface drive motors. We we have uh, uh, telephones. We have uh, Google Earth uh, uh, maps. We have we have all this stuff, better communications and everything. There's no place that a duck can go that he's not accessible by a hunter. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention about the the winter habitat in Louisiana, you know, a lot of people think that the sugarcane and the and the crawfish ponds are, are the problem. We don't have ducks, but if you really think about it in depth, the ducks don't really show up here in November uh, by, by untold millions and disappear in a couple of weeks. You know, that's that not what happened. The ducks don't actually exist in high numbers that they did years ago. As Eric mentioned, it's been a very gradual thing. It was hard to detect, but I detected it. And, and uh, we, we, we've got a problem with, with uh, reproduction of ducks. They're, they're just not reproducing like they used to. The, 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 uh, the predate, predation problem on the prairies makes it hard. The, the, the existing potholes that are there are impacted by agriculture. They're plowed right up to the edge of the water. The, the predators are very efficient at, at, at uh, harming eggs and uh, female ducks. 
We have enjoyed 60-day and six ducks limits for a long time now under plan adaptive harvest management. If you could briefly explain what that is and how seasons are set. How is it determined how many ducks and how many days we get to hunt them? Don, this is Dave uh, Rave. And the way that uh, that occurs is that uh, the uh, Fish and Wildlife Service uh, flies their May surveys and they come up with a population estimate from the from the survey. Uh, they then, uh, during that survey, they also count the number of wetlands that are out there. So uh, they they count the number of uh, wetlands that they count that they see on either side of the airplane as they fly along. They then are able to put that the the number of ducks and the the number of wetlands into a matrix, and the matrix tells you that if you have certain number of uh, of wetlands. Um, and a certain pair count, and a, so if you if you're above say seven million mallards and you're above three million wetlands, then you have sixty and six. If you're between uh, two different wetlands, so say between four million mallards and between two million wetlands, then you have a two duck limit. And if you're below that, you have a one you know you have a three three bird bag in thirty days. So there's three different uh, well there's actually four different choices there's either a closed season if there's really no d- birds and no wetlands uh, there's three birds um, and a 30-day season uh, there's four ducks and a 40-day season or six ducks and a 60-day season and it all comes down to how many wetlands and how many pairs we uh, had one year where we had three duck limit and 30-day season. We lost 50% of the duck stamp sales in Louisiana. Are these agencies holding back on maybe what should be set as far as the seasons for fear of losing funding because they're going to lose hunters? Yeah, Don, this is Eric, and I'd like to jump on that real quick about, you know, the adaptive harvest I think has, has really changed the way the ducks are being managed, uh, I think, Prior to 95, when adaptive harvest uh, came into being, you saw a, a constant tinkering with the seasons and the bird counts back to the three-duck limit or, or even further back where it was lower, the point system, all of those things. But when adaptive harvest came along, that one of the goals of adaptive harvest was to maximize you know the, the hunter opportunity. And, and so even they felt like, if the ducks weren't going to crash, we're going to let you hunt a little longer. It's basically you know, kind of give as much opportunity as possible. And I think Louisiana manages their wildlife and fisheries in the in the same exact way. I think that's the the mindset here is that giving the the outdoorsman as much opportunity as possible. And I think in a situation where you have a decline like this, that's when it, it becomes questionable if this is a great idea or not. Uh, Paul, you worked with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service for a long time. Do you think that agency in these later years has been influenced on setting the seasons more uh, by looking at the economics of losing hunters and what really should be set according to what they're seeing? Well, Don, they're losing hunters not not because of what the season is. They're losing the hunters because there's not any ducks anymore. And uh, refresh your memory, that three days and 30 duck season, started in 1988 and then went through 1994 and but when a man went duck hunting in those 30 days you could you could kill three ducks and there was a lot of ducks to see now with 60 days and six ducks in the current situation sometimes you go out there and you you don't even kill a duck or you, you might mainly just see a couple in the distance so uh, things are a lot different and and the, the fish and wildlife service has 
has uh, stuck with this matrix uh, uh, too long. And I think that the conservation needs to come in and the policy of prudence ought to be put into effect. The ducks are in a bond. And that it's may not be one of the Louisiana. That'll be one of the solutions we'll look at. We're going to take a quick break for news. We'll be back after the top of the hour and continue our conversation about ducks in crisis. Paul Yakovzak, Dave Rave, and Captain Eric Rue. Back right after this. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 